This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 195, Housekeeping. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in this week. With the end of Season 4 approaching, and with the dramatic increase in listenership over the past year, thanks so much for that, I thought it was high time I spent an episode talking about what I'm doing with the podcast, what changes have been implemented, and what you might see in the future. Hopefully this will answer some questions you might have, stir up some conversation about what should stay and what should go, and get us all geared up for Season 5, scheduled to kick off Lord Willing in April. We'll start with what I've been preaching. Less is more. That has become my philosophy these days, at least as far as preaching goes. My sermons have gotten considerably shorter over the years. Ten years ago, I was averaging between 45 and 50 minutes. Five years ago, it was 35 to 40. Now it's usually 30 to 35. Some of that's a deliberate attempt to de-emphasize my role in the assembly, usually in a coordinated effort to place more emphasis on the Lord's Supper, which is where it belongs. Some is an acknowledgement of the world we're living in. It would be easy for me to preach for an hour and blame my listeners for their inability to stay focused. It'd be more effective, though, to accept my listeners for who they are and maximize my opportunity to reach them. I've opted for the second. Always try to change yourself instead of trying to change other people. You'll live longer and sleep better. A big part of the strategy, though, is self-discipline. I should be able to get the job done in less time without sacrificing content. If someone were to choose between two of my YouTube sermons with equally appealing titles and thumbnails, likely he or she would choose the shorter one. I certainly would. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if I can preach the same sermon equally well in a shorter period of time, I should do so. I've taken that philosophy into the podcast of late, as you may have noticed. In the beginning, I was hoping to get everything done in less than 30 minutes, and I wouldn't fret over a bit of overage. Through various tricks of the trade, I've gotten it down to less than 25 minutes consistently, and I'm shooting for 20. I doubt I'll get it shorter than that without a major restructuring of the podcast, but 20 is a lot more reasonable than I would have thought a year ago. The biggest change, and the one that accidentally led to the shorter episodes, is when I quit recording video versions of the podcast. I finally realized I was doing it just to say I was doing it, to have a podcast on YouTube, which most podcasters didn't seem to be doing. I finally realized why they didn't do it. People don't go to YouTube for podcasts. They're listening while they're driving or walking the dog or working out, like you probably are now. Video is rarely a benefit and often a problem. So I whittled another chunk off my ego and admitted I was wrong, again. Life gets so much simpler when you live in the real world instead of an imaginary one. So you should expect more of the same going forward. More meaning less, in this case. I'll continue to have guests, generally the first show of the month. And you should get used to seeing them posted in three parts. I want to respect the attention span of you, the listener, but I bring these people on to my podcast because they have a lot to say, and I want to give them a chance to say it. One other thing about the what I've been preaching segment before we move on. My friend Chris Emerson, host of the Excel Still More podcast, like he needs me to plug his show, he's a big believer in the personal connection between the podcaster and the individual listener. This is not me and a big crowd at the church building. This is just me and you. You've invited me into your private time and space because you think I can help you walk with God in a sinful world. I take that responsibility very seriously. I promise to do the work of an evangelist, a mentor, a brother, and a friend. To cite 2 Timothy 4, 5, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Galatians 6, 1, and John 15, 13, respectively. What I need from you is simple. One, pray for me and for this work. 
And two, help me spread the word by subscribing if you have not already done so, and by sharing this podcast with your friends and social media contacts. And thanks in advance. This is what I've been reading. I will have started and finished 36 books by the end of 2022, if my current read is as engrossing as it appears to be. I don't generally keep track, but I'm betting that's about triple what I have read any other year. Interestingly enough, the last book I finished suggested the preachers may be reading too much. Not exactly what I wanted to hear when I was patting myself on the back. But the point was well taken. Putting notches on my bookshelf, as it were, is not a goal in and of itself. The goal, the reason I read, is to broaden my grasp on the world in general, and my work as a preacher and Christian in particular. I wanted to be diverse this year in my selections, and I wound up splitting the load precisely in three parts, fiction, nonfiction, and inspirational. They all have their place, at least the good ones do. And the bad ones serve a purpose as well, if only to instruct me in the sort of books I should avoid in the future. Regarding fiction this year, I made an effort to acquaint myself with some classics. I absolutely loved reading as a child, but that started fading when reading became a chore instead of a reward. I even skipped a few books assigned to me in college. Don't tell my professors I said that. So I crossed off my list books such as Robinson Crusoe, The Prince and the Pauper, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and a few others. The fact that they were short didn't hurt anything. For next year, A Tale of Two Cities is near the top of my stack. I have collections from Rudyard Kipling, Isaac Bashevis Singer, and Alexander Solzhenitsyn also. Never can seem to work up the energy to start those, but maybe 2023 will be the year. Nonfiction books have run the gamut this year, and that likely will continue. I'm currently staring across my office at biographies of George Custer, Thomas Edison, and David Crockett, among others. And also another one on Eric Little, just in case I want to do another Chariots of Fire episode. I also have books on politics, business, and entertainment, and an intriguing book on how America was discovered not by the Spaniards or the Vikings, but by the Chinese. Inspirational books should be easier, you would think. But I've found considerably less satisfaction reading books written from a Bible perspective than from worldly ones. Part of that is because most of those authors are advocating points of view with which I do not agree. At least not fully. That'll be true with any work of humans, of course, but it is especially frustrating when the author claims to be saving souls, and I'm convinced he or she has the wrong formula. As the saying goes, standard caveats apply. All recommendations, explicit and implied, should be taken in context. If I had to detail everything I objected to in every book I ever read to everyone I ever talked to, I'd never have time to play board games, and we all know we can't have that. I will continue to trust you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions. I'm a teacher, not a guru. I love getting book suggestions, but as much as I would love to, I can't commit to using them. Some so-called friend out there, Edwin Crozier or Zeke Flores most likely, will put me on the spot and force me to spend $20 or more on one book, and that's just not going to happen. Hal Hammond's famous tightwad, half price is not cheap enough. And building an episode around a book is more complicated than you might think. For instance, I really appreciated Andrew Napolitano's book on Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson. But what do I do with it? A socialism episode? A National Parks episode? Maybe I'll get a feel for it one day, but I don't want to make promises I can't keep. Please keep the suggestions coming, though. Zeke is responsible for putting me onto A World Lit Only by Fire, by the way, which was a great experience for me this year. Solomon said long ago in Ecclesiastes 12.12, excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. It's true as much now as it ever has been. But I'll make you a deal. 
I'll keep looting the used bookstores and sharing what I find there if you will help me remember to keep prioritizing the book God himself gave us. This is what I've been hearing. It is a scientific fact that the music of today is inferior to the music of previous generations and much inferior to the music of previous centuries. Simply put, music asks less of the listener today mostly because the listener has an incredibly short attention span and virtually infinite choices. If the song doesn't have a catchy title, a rhythm you can dance to, and a semi-clever line that is repeated a dozen times, it will never trend on Spotify, which is to say it will never get popular. The millennials strike again. It is not my purpose on this podcast, or even in my top five purposes, to preach the gospel of what is sometimes accommodatively called classical music. The term classical actually is more specific than that, but I'll spare you from the full geek lecture today. From the start, I liked the idea of using the opening of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony to grab the listener's attention, and I quickly settled in with short snippets from other recognizable pieces for my intros and my outro. Vivaldi's Four Seasons, Grieg's Pier Gint Suite, Bach's Brandenburg Concertos, and Mozart's Jupiter Symphony, just in case you were wondering. I wanted something interesting and at least somewhat familiar, but with no singing, so I could talk over it a bit. That presented much more of a problem than I anticipated, and it takes me back to my original point about musical complexity. Songs today are almost universally at one volume level. Notations you might recognize from your hymnals, such as piano, forte, crescendo, and decrescendo, are endangered species on the pop charts. Finding even 10 seconds of orchestral music that works for my purposes is challenging. And I'm not a sound engineer. I'll do my best to make the music audible and yet not drown out my words, all the while sparing your eardrums from excessive redlining. It doesn't always work, though. I appreciate your patience in this matter. But the whole thing comes down to the expectations I'm prepared to place on you. Simply put, if you'll pardon the expression, I want things to be complicated. I want you to push yourself. I want you to challenge preconceived notions and ways of doing things. Not because you're wrong where you are, but because wrong or right, you need exercise. If we don't stretch, we don't grow. And that's what I want for you more than anything else, to grow. Grow in your understanding of yourself. Grow in your understanding of the world. And especially, to quote 2 Peter 3, 18 yet again, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe you're listening to podcasts in general, and this one in particular, because you're looking to improve. Maybe you're an avid reader looking for your next book. Maybe you're a preacher looking for ideas for a sermon. It may even be, not to steal thunder from the next segment, that you want to find a new and worthy way of entertaining yourself and your family. Those are all noble aspirations, and I thank you for reaching for them. But to do it right, whatever it is, we must be open to ways of doing it differently. For my part, I will continue to challenge myself weekly to make this podcast better. And if that means changing the music, I'll change the music. It's not lost on me that the jazz episode, the only one that I've done that swapped out virtually all of my regular music, is one of my most popular ones I've ever done. Please reach out with any suggestions you might have. After all, you listen to me every week. The least I can do is listen to you. This is what I've been playing. When I decided to commit fully to the idea of four segments on a single theme way back in season one, my biggest concern was running out of board games to talk about. I'm no longer worried about that so much. 
It's not because of the number of brand new board games that have come into the Hammonds house over the last four years. Well, it's not entirely because of that. It's more because I have adjusted my standards regarding the games to which I refer here. I've had it in my head from the beginning that a game needed to be one I knew well, one I currently owned and was playing regularly, and one that was available for purchase if you, the listener, felt the urge. My current philosophy is somewhat different. Originally, I thought I could just go full-bore geek mode in this segment, and if someone didn't want to hear about it, he could just come back the next week. In fact, for several months, I essentially said as much. But now my comments about the game of the week tend to be much less about strategy and tactics, which are pretty much meaningless to anyone who doesn't know the game, and more about theme and the general playing experience. I think long-term listeners, as well as the new listeners who've gone back to listen to the early episodes, and bless your heart for that, will agree the new approach is more useful and interesting. Beyond that, I realize at some point that plenty of games were out there that the average listener may already know about. Yahtzee, Sorry, and many other games that may or may not have exclamation points in their titles. Also, Hal Hammond's famous Tidewad, back again for more, I don't suppose there's any need for me to actually own a game to which I refer, is there? If, for instance, I wanted to do a barbecue episode, and I do, and I found out there's a barbecue-themed board game that looks absolutely idiotic, and there is, you would forgive me for not wasting $30 just to check off a box, wouldn't you? Of course you would. I'm also planning to back away a bit from my unwillingness to cite a game more than once. I realized a few months ago I had mentioned Monopoly on more than one episode. Apparently you didn't notice any more than I did, or else you didn't care, and why should you? This has never been about increasing your awareness of the near-infinite variety in the board gaming world. It's even less of a priority for me than getting you to listen to more Beethoven and Mozart. Oh, and speaking of which, we picked up a Mozart-themed game this month. You'll be hearing about it in due course of time, I'm confident. In the end, I do think it is important for us to find ways to distract ourselves from the ugliness of the world around us, ideally in the company of family and Christian brethren. If you find it a way other than board games, you won't hurt my feelings at all. But be like my new friends Mark and Cindy Dunnigan, whom you met in the Oregon episode, or my frequent flyer guest BJ Sipe, plugging the Nomads You and I and Set Your Mind Above podcasts respectively there. Find a way to see a lesson from God in everything. For me, in board games, it's usually humility. Or maybe this week it'll be patience, or focus, or prioritization. In any case, the lessons are there. God is constantly teaching me things, such as moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, citing 2 Peter 1, verses 5-7, through if you didn't catch that. And if I can pick up a lesson or two while having a good time with the people closest to me, so much the better. You have been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.